This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. My name is Matt Bongard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hey, everyone. Uh, Nick, uh, Charlie and I just got a new car. Would you like to come out to the garage and see it? Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Let's go check it out. All right. Get in. Okay. Wow. What a nice car. What's this flux capacitator looking device up the front here? Don't you worry about that, Nick, because where we're going, we don't need roads. Let's go for a drive, baby. Let's take it up to 88. That's right. It is our first Boom Rewind, and we are kicking it off with an absolute banger. It was actually you that suggested this, not me, against all odds. Maybe you just want to hurt me. Maybe you just want to see a a slow (laughs) descent into madness. But we are going to be doing a few of these over the Oscars where we take a look back at a season, an entire season for a club, any club. We've had a few other suggestions, which we'll be doing later. But we're kicking things off with one near and dear to my heart, and that is the 2003 Rabbitohs. Campo, I mean... What do you remember about this team? Because you're a couple of years younger than me, so you would have still been in primary school when this team was disgracing themselves on a weekly basis. The, the, interest, the interesting thing for me about South Sydney in their post-readmission years is I first started like being aware of what footy was in 1997 and 1998, right? When I'm like four and five and six years old. Hmm. So because there were so many teams that were dropping in and out of the competition around that time, I thought, it was a normal thing that yeah. always happened. Yeah. I thought it, I thought teams were coming in and out all the time. So as such, I didn't have a great awareness of the whole South Sydney story, you know, of them getting kicked mm. out of the competition and fighting their way back and all the marches and all that sort of, I had no context for it. Cause I thought teams would come and go all the time. By the time I three rolls around, I'm sort of a little bit disabused of that notion. But my memories of Souths aren't of so much of them being shit. It's just them not mattering at all. Yeah, you know, well, I didn't. We, we didn't have we didn't have Foxtel in mm. 03. So, like, I only get to watch the games that are on Channel Nine, and I don't watch all of them again because I'm only like ten or eleven years old or whatever. But you know, I just have no awareness of them. They're just they're a, they're a team that exists, but I never see them. Yeah, you know? not a, not exactly a ratings draw. It's fair to say. Well, what's, what's, what's funny is going back and sort of reading a lot of articles from the lead into 2002 to the comeback season, that whole summer, there's so much hype around them coming back to the competition, Mm. like tickets to the charity shield game in 2002 against saints are getting scalped out the front for 200 bucks a piece. Like people are going crazy for it. That lasts for about maybe a month into 2002 and then this the normal service regime south's become exactly what they were before they got excluded from the competition which is not one not 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 the most successful club 
mm. you know, sort of for the 10 years into 1999, they'd been really, really bad. And once they got back on their feet and came back into the competition, I was very excited. But once that stops, then they, then normal service kind of resumes, you know, they get saved from the spoon in 02 because of the Bulldogs salary cap stuff. But then 03 comes around. Who were you in 2003? Um, I was a 13 year old boy, uh, living my best life year eight at high school, went on a growth spurt in year eight. So I wasn't a little fat kid that I wasn't year seven anymore. So that was nice. That was a little glow up for the young man. Um, probably was had my best couple of years at soccer actually was pretty quick at this point. Um, yeah, life was reasonably good outside of South Sydney, but this was a time where like going to games was still just such a novelty for me. And it never, it didn't really wear off until, adulthood and i think that's when you have that youthful exuberance that we don't have anymore just going to the footy feels like an event every week even if you are the shittest team in the world like, i remember just waking up every every game then just being like stick we got I'm, I'm going to the footy today it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be great i'm gonna go with my grandfather it's gonna be a great time my grandfather if for new listeners to the show still go today 20 years later together but i mean we started going to, we went to our first game together 99 we we're there most weeks in 2002 and there was some renewed vigor going into 2003. They'd only won five games in 2002. They had avoided the wooden spoon by virtue of the Bulldogs having all their points stripped off them, but they were, by distance, the worst team in the competition. And I do think that, despite the fact that the 2003 team only ends up winning three games, they were a better team than the 2002 team. They, they brought in some really good signings, signings that even now have aged well. Guys like Ashley Harrison, who was a really good servant for the club for a couple of years before they screwed him around and he went off to the Roosters. The Walker brothers came in. Brian Fletcher came in. And... There was a little bit of hope that things were going to get better in 2003. And people said, well, how could they get worse? Well, <laughs> that was quickly quickly proven uh, to the contrary to those people because they did, as I said, only win three games in this year. And whilst I do think that they were more competitive in a few games, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. They finished up with the worst season in uh, the NRL history outside of the 2016 Knights. And how many games did the 99 Magpies win, Nick? They won three. They're, they're, okay. better, than, they're better than the 99 Magpies. By virtue of four and against. Yes. Yeah. So not a, not a great year, it's fair to say. But a, a year that I remember more vividly, honestly, than probably any of the years from like 2006 to like 2012. Well, you're, you're at that age, aren't you? Mm. Like, yeah. I, I, I reckon 13, 14, 15 is probably the time in all our lives where not only do we probably love footy the most, but our love of football is probably at its least complicated. Correct. You know, it's just... It's, it, it's, it's like you said earlier, winning and losing is important, but it's not as important as just having your team and loving your team. Hmm. You know, it's not like we are now where we know a lot more about it and we're a lot more cynical about it. And, you know, the wins are probably a little bit better and the losses probably hurt a little bit more, but we, but we don't sort of have that, that, that childlike innocence about mm. about our approach to the sport you know so i'm not surprised that you have such vivid memories of this time and when we were trying to pick the first season for us to sort of go deep on like this that's why i wanted to do this one you know because there's like a there's just a, a level of knowledge that you have for these few years that can't be it's, replicated it's, it's true I, yeah you know what i mean because I, like it's I, just it's just something about your lived experience with mm -hmm. these seasons like basically the, the the period from like that that year where South first made the finals in 07 up until when Madge came in in, in 2012. Like the Sandow years, I remember Sandow, but like specific games, there's no way I remember as much about those years as I do about these ones, especially about the season we're about to talk about. Just purely because, as you said, like it was so uncomplicated. You didn't have, 
you didn't have what sixteenths or eighteenths to go to when you when you're thirteen years old. Like it was it was a big deal to have a friend over on the weekend. Like for a lot of people, like you you're at home, you watch footy. That and your best, your best friend, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. That's right. Um, <laughs> let's quickly run through a couple of players. I'm sure you've got the list in front of you. Anyone that jumps off the page at you? Well, what kind of jumps out to me is what you said before. These are, these are some. They're getting in some good players. So mm. they signed Brian Fletcher from the Roosters at the time. He was a Test and an Origin player and a still played Origin now. this year in in 03. Yeah. yeah, they get Ash Harrison, who at the time looked like he was going to be a super footballer, like a 10-year mm-hmm. Queensland player. It didn't quite work out that way, but he had some great days for Souths. Lee Hookie was like a – he played for Souths prior to their expulsion, a really sharp player. Um, Luke McDougal, who – it I didn't believe, work out for him. I still but believe like, in Luke McDougal. But he had, some, he had some really good days for Souths as well. So did Mark Minicello. Willie Peters, who memorably was described by Coach Craig Coleman as the next Peter Sterling. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the air-conditioner king of the bayou, Justin Smith. And yeah. then the, the, the then Chris and Shane Walker from the Broncos. Chris Walker, who played for Queensland at that point, Shane Walker, who seemed to not be far away. It's pretty good stuff, you know. But yeah. looking during the research for this episode, I found two two really big what ifs. Mm. Two South Sydney junior products who the club went really hard at in two thousand and two and couldn't get. Mm. One was Craig Wing, yep. who had, had started out with Souths in ninety eight and ninety nine. And was one of the last blokes to leave too. I think uh, Craig Wing tells a great story about when he was at Souths in 99 and they weren't sure if they were going to make the comp in 2000 and blokes kept leaving training, like signing with other clubs or just stopped showing up. And on the last day, there was only like seven of them there, but Craig Wing was one of them. So he really did love Souths and Souths went hard to try and get him back from the Roosters and couldn't quite do it because he'd sort of found a new home there. They eventually get him back four or five years later, but if they got him back in 03, it would have made a huge difference. And then the other one's Braith Anasta. Yeah. Who people might have people might have forgotten now, but Braith Anasta had really, really strong links to George Piggins' nephew. Well, yeah, George Piggins, who we're going to talk about a lot in this episode. That's his that's his uncle, you know. And he'd sort of been groomed and lined up to play for Souths for years until until they got kicked out of the comp. And mm. part of the reason that he goes to Canterbury and not the Roosters is because of those South Sydney links and people might forget now because they just see Braith on TV or whatever. But in 2001, 2002, people were talking about Braith and Asta, like he was going to be the next Brad Fittler. Mm. Like the hype was absolutely enormous. He was like the great emerging playmaker in the entire competition and South couldn't get him. Even yeah. after the, even after the salary cap stuff where the dogs were probably looking to trim some fat off the roster, and even though they had Jonathan Thurston who debuted for them that season, you know, you never know how these things are going to work out. But yeah, it, th- those were the two guys looking back in the archives that Souths yeah. went really, really hard at that they just couldn't quite get. But Mate, this it's, still, is... it's still a pretty good recruitment class for a team of that caliber. I remember vividly in like 2005, late 2005, or maybe um, there was, I read a rumor on the League Unlimited forums that Souths were going to sign Braith and Astor and Matt Orford. And I remember the next day, like just checking checking the South Sydney website like every 10 minutes for like the entire day to see if it had happened. And of course, they did not sign either of those extremely good players. But uh, a different time, a simpler it's just, time. It's all, it's, it's all right. They signed Shannon Hegarty instead and he's sure almost did. as good. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, so 03, Souths go into this season thinking the only way is up. The story of this season begins in the preseason, which we've got to talk about. Mm. 
because they play a trial game against the Tigers. They lose 58 to 12. Coach Craig Coleman comes under enormous pressure. On March 3rd, the Rabbitohs put out a statement saying they'll stand behind him. On March 4th, he is sacked. It's incredible. It's How the just... fuck the only, like, people, like, I know that some people still like to laugh at South and all that stuff now, but, like, they are objectively a very well-run club yep. in the current day. They were run more incompetently than any club in history at this point in time. Like, the, the current day West Tigers wish they could be this South I, team. I'm, I'm glad you hit that because there is no club now that is as wretched as the Rabbitohs were then. And I would argue there hasn't been a club. Not even close. Not even, not even the Knights when they had their one win season. Like, I know they had some dramas or whatever, but it wasn't. It was. It wasn't like this. It wasn't like this. So Craig Coleman, who coached him in two thousand and two, he gets sacked in the preseason. Phil Blake gets installed as coach. George Piggins gives a big interview to the Daily Telegraph where he says he made a mistake. He should have sacked Craig Coleman at the end of O two instead of waiting. He admits that a fundraiser might be required to find the salary for a new coach. For a couple of days after that, for reasons I haven't quite been able to pinpoint, Phil Blake gets moved on, and Paul Langmack who was appointed in the un, in the unusual role of defensive coordinator at the back end of 02. He comes in as coach. Craig Coleman, in the meantime, the sacked coach, announces that he's going to run for the board of the football club. So it's just, it's great stuff. It's exactly how you want a footy team to be run. Like the idea that a NRL team needs to have a chook raffle to fund the salary for the coach is just incredible. It, it, it is mind-boggling. And Paul Langmack, this was a guy that, I believe, aside from his duties as defensive coordinator, was like moonlighting as yes in yesterday's hero segments calling, on the footy show. He's, like, he's, he's calling a safety blitz. <laughs> yeah, we're going to play. We're going to play cover two this week, All right, boys. We're playing the four. We're playing the four three, and I want this guard to pull out, and then and then the Mike linebacker is going to fucking side like, in. It's going to be great. What's doing? What honestly? What is doing? And it, it it's such an incompetent way for a season to start. And yet, they start the season. They play the cap-cheating Bulldogs in round one in a doubleheader at ANZ Stadium, which they narrowly lose. It's it's it, They're trailing by less than a try late in the game. They end up losing 34-26. I remember going to that game and coming away feeling, you know, relatively happy about it, relatively optimistic about the season. So after that loss, Nick, they were 12th on the ladder. That was as high as they would be <laughs> all season. But it's round two that really broke a young Matt Bungard's heart, a game that really broke a lot of South Sydney hearts. And unless you're a rugby league, you know, like encyclopedia like yourself or a diehard South fan like I am, you might not remember how this game finished. So basically, Souths were about to knock off the mighty Brisbane Broncos. The, a the massive, a massive deal. They hadn't unbelievable the heavyweight. They hadn't beaten the Broncos since 1989. Insane. And like Brisbane's... Brisbane sort of emerging and hitting the top level of the sport coincided with Souths hitting mm. incredibly low doldrums. Yeah. So not only have they never, they've never beat, they haven't beat the Broncos in a long time. They've barely been competitive with them. They just yeah. got smashed. Oh, get smashed every week. Forget about it. So Ashley Harrison plays five eight, has a blinder. Brett Kearney, a guy that, that's a guy. He Is plays it Kearney well or Carney? I, I don't remember. I, I honestly, it's one of those ones where I heard it both times, and now too much time has passed for me to know. But <laughs> shout out to Brett Kearney slash Carney. Um, played halfback. Nathan Merritt played fullback, and there's I still vividly remember Owen Craigie 
streaking 70 meters and outrunning Darren Lockyer to score a try. And yeah, the, 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 the woke, the woke left won't, yeah. uh, won't let the footage get out. They won't. That's but why they're, they're suppressing it. Like if so, Joe, if so, Joe, Joe Byron yeah. calling in some favors yeah. to stop, to stop the Owen Craig. Oh God, if someone has footage of this, please, we need a, a rugby league version of Ro Belinda to just dig up all this old footage. But anyway, so Southrop 2018 with the ball, with one play left. And Paul 30 Stringer. 30 seconds to go. Paul, Paul Stringer. Who is a reliable player, by the way. A very Mate. reliable pro- Like This is the thing about these early 2000 South teams, Nick. It's like their backs and their halves were terrible most of the time. They had some pretty reliable forwards, but they had Paul Stringer, Luke Stewart, Shane Rigon, Ashley Harrison, Brian Fletcher, like good Justin Smith, like just good workman-like players. Yeah. And Paul and Stringer, Stringer, was- Stringer was close to the best of them. I'm pretty yeah. sure he was the club's player of the year in 02. Like he mm. played country origin. Like, He's not a he's not a bum, you know. He's he's a he's a guy. He's a very solid old school front rower. Yep. But what happens to him? Paul Stringer. They they get a twenty meter restart. They take the tap. They say they give it to their trusted prop, Paul Stringer. Take one hit up, play the ball. The game's over. Gordon Talis gets a one on one strip. They fling it wide. Brent Tate scores in the corner. Broncos win. Not the best. And the, the I remember that vividly. Wayne Bennett. And Paul Langback both didn't realize the result until they got down to the sheds because they'd both gone from the coaches' boxes upstairs at the stadium through the bowels down to the where the in, where the sheds are after that ball had gone dead and South had got that twenty meter tap. So neither coach realized the result until they like a minute after it happened, which is incredible to think about as well. But imagine Abs- like obviously if you're Wayne Bennett, you're just like yeah, good life. But if you're Paul <laughs> Langback, you're thinking we've just knocked off the like this is like honestly. When you got appointed, people thought you were a joke, and you're thinking like, "This is a, such a huge result, not just for the club, but for me as a coach. This is this is huge. This is gigantic." And then you get it all taken. This is like having the best dream of your life and waking up. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. But yeah, but you know what? The South Board they saw something in Paul Langmack because after <laughs> this game, after this game, they're like, "Well, we ran the Bulldogs close. We ran the Broncos close." Maybe the defensive mind of Paul Langmack is what we need. Maybe, maybe his revolutionary cover six defense yeah. is going to take us back to glory. So mm. Paul Langmack is given a three-year contract extension as coach of the Rabbitohs. Terrific. Better times are ahead. Yeah. So the next week they play the cow. I was at this game. They play the Cowboys on Monday night football before Monday night football. I can't remember why it was on a Monday. Maybe it was Easter Monday. I don't know. But I remember being there. And I remember we actually scored more tries than the Cowboys, but lost because Josh Hannay kicked about 15 penalty goals. And then Chris Shepard kicked a late field goal. So we lost by seven despite scoring more tries. Okay. You can't, you can't, you can't get, you can't get fired up. Go on. I was going to say, how do you lose by more than a converted try when you outscore? Like it's one thing to score another try and lose by like two. But it's like you score more tries and you lose by more than an entire score. That's hard to do. Can't really, you can't really flip out about that though, because in that game against the Broncos, the Broncos scored five. Oh yeah, tries no, no, it's it's just funny. To South Sydney's three, and it was only the laser boot of Justin Smith that Mate, kept them in the game on the Bayou. But it's just, it's just funny for, for like, people for people who might for people who might have missed that particular episode of What About This Guy? Do you want to give us a, a quick? Oh yeah, Justin version? Smith, who uh, we will probably talk about a little bit more in the show later on, was a, a goal-kicking back rower, a really good player for a few years, started a grand final for the Cowboys in 05. And um, we were we, we do our segment, What About This Play, where we, we find an old player to talk about. And a few weeks ago, someone nominated Justin Smith. I went online to try and find out what Justin was up to now, and he fixes air conditioners in New Orleans. That's what he's doing. And his son plays high school football on the bayou. It's incredible. 
That's as good as it gets, man. It honestly was up there with um, <laughs> who was the sorting? Is it Michael Barney? Was Michael, the sorting Ma- hat? Yeah, former Manly winger Michael Barney voiced the sorting hat in the That's Melbourne production of Harry Potter and the Curse. In- incredible, Child. like really incredible stuff. So Souths are on three. They they head over to Auckland the following week. Get get smacked by the Warriors. Or whatever. They, they, but then they but win. Then Matthew. So Nick, I'll tell you something. So Pop and I went to most games, right? The only time we didn't go to games was at 5.30 p.m. on a Saturday because he had church. Oh, no. <laughs> what time do you think this game kicked off? 5.30 p.m. on a Saturday. Was he, was he at mass praying for a win? I He must have been. And Jamie <laughs> Russo answered his prayers clearly because uh, he he was a he was a guy I'd never heard of uh, who, who came in this game, played lock, uh, and, and they played really well in this game. They outplayed the Tigers who... In, we're just for whatever reason the only team that the very bad Rabbitohs and the had the wood over. Well, you're you're, you're paying you're paying for that now. Oh yeah, because think about the last five years, all the crazy weird mm. Tigers Rabbitohs games there's been. It's not like they win every time, but they've they've won more than their fair share. That's yes. the that's the, the that wheel has well and truly. That's turned. right. That's yeah. <laughs> that's but, them getting you back for the years where Souths would win five games a season and two of them would be against West. Yeah, so that was um April twelfth, Nick. And good times are here again. It was June 8th, the next time they won a game. That's tough, man. That's tough. I'll tell you, though, this this Tigers game mm. is all the more remarkable for what was going on off the field at the time. Yes. So George Piggins is, was the, the Titanic figure at South Sydney. Good a, wartime a, around, leader. Around this period and was instrumental in the fight to get them back into the league. Without him, South Sydney, as we know them today, would not exist at all. And the, the the club's readmission to the premiership is such a testament to his love for the team and his willingness to do whatever it took to get him there. Right. Mm. And the, the cause sort of brought in a lot of very, very notable figures, a lot of notable supporters like Ray Martin and Andrew Denton and a young labor MP named Anthony Albanese. Like they all got involved with it. And it was a, a real great showing of, of community and unity and a lot of people just being really fueled by how much they love their club. But once they did get back into the league, that same strength, that same sort of passion that everybody mm. had for the club be- stopped being a strength and started being a weakness. Yes. Because everybody thought they knew the way that South. Can I give you a really vote. specific example of how of this became a weakness? So this, this, depending on, you know, you hear a million stories about uh, such and such was going to sign for this club, but something happened, such and such. And some of them you can probably nonsense, but one of them, which was pretty credibly verified by multiple people later on, was that Gus Gould helped rebuild the roster for Souths in 02. He he had a little bit of a hand in 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 getting some guys because it's hard to build a club from scratch when when it's there's no expansion draft or anything like like what they have in American sports. So yeah, they, and they, they only have they only have about six months to put the yeah, team together. They, they really they scrambled July 01. Yep, it's a real scramble. So they he'd managed to convince Luke Prittis to come to Souths. And Luke Prittis wanted like a reasonably high wage, but like a competitive wage for a player of Luke Prittis's quality. And the story goes that like the South board didn't want to pay it because, oh, we can't be paying overs to players. They should just want to come here to play for South. That was the attitude they had. Like playing for South was this grand privilege and not we need to pay players more money because we're a basket case. They had the complete See, that, wrong idea. Of- that sounds insane, mm. but I understand the place it comes from. These yeah. are people who gave up everything in their lives to fight for this club's right to exist. They would play for Souths for free. Mm, you know? I would. And it's just, yeah, of course you would. Mate, I probably would. Damn. But like, 
that that that's the thing. That sort of that sort of uh, love that they have for the club, which was such a strength in the in the wartime, mm. peacetime comes and it's just not. You just can't exist that way anymore. You know, I found a quote from Piggins in a in a newspaper report, and it said Souths were going to have to win ten games in two thousand and three to break even. Like, in what world was 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 that going to be happening? You know, so to that end, there was I I hate talking about like sort of you know football club machinations and board meetings and shit like that. But this is one that you do have to talk about a little bit because it explains mm. a lot about how Souths were run at the time. So there's a rebel ticket who wants to take over the, the the football club board, right? And it's led by Nick Pappas, who's still very involved in the club today. I can't remember his exact title, but like mm. he's a South Sydney power broker. And he's backed by Ray Martin and Andrew Denton. Andrew Denton had been on the board, but resigned. Mm. And both of them had played a really big role in getting Souths back into the competition. Like people today don't know the juice that Andrew Denton used to have. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he had more than enough rope, let me tell you. <laughs> Anyway, so things be, and Dent was on the football club board when they got readmitted, but then resigned because his relationship with Piggins got so bad and it got really, really, really ugly to the point where they were on a, they did a radio interview and they start like screaming at each other. Mm, Right. And I've got some, got some of the transcripts here. This is Piggins to Denton. I'll sit you on your ass. I'm not going to cop a wimp like you standing over me. I'm telling you, you're a wimp and that's all. Wimp is an incredible insult. It really is, isn't it? And then Denton says, you're telling lies and lowering yourself. I'm not a fighter and you could whip me with one hand tied behind your back. And if that's how you want to do it, then let that be an example of how South Sydney is run. Fuck yeah. They're saying, they're saying this on the radio to one another. This is not in some smoke filled back room. This is like live for all the public to see, Mm. you know, like it's just a, it's just a train wreck. In the end, they reach a compromise. Pappas succeeds Piggins as chairman and Piggins has some other role or whatever Piggins sticks around. Pappas sort of gets the start. And when we get to the end of this story, we talk about the sale to Russell Crowe and Peter Holmes of court in 06. This is like, this is like the, the very first inkling of that, that something's going to change. Yeah. You know, this is the, this is the very, very first start of it, but mm. we've still got a long way to go and a lot of tears left before we get there. Yes. So while all this is going on, the Rabbitohs have their first win of the season that went over the Tigers. Yeah. So, it's it's great stuff, but that, this was an oasis in the desert because a couple of big sliding doors moments in the club were to come in the weeks between that win and their next one, which we will talk about in a little while. The first of all, Nick, I know you know this story, but there was a young prop forward, uh, born and raised in Tonga. Well, not raised, but born in Tonga. Okay, <laughs> came to South with huge raps on him, huge, huge raps, a very talented Front row, explosive front rower. Uh, the he man's was so S- nice, they named him twice. They ne- So played in a trial for Souths in 2003, played for 10 minutes, came to training the following Monday. After 10 minutes, he left and Paul Langlick said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going home. I play for 10, I train for 10. And that was it. He was never seen at Souths again. Would you like to tell us who that player was? Well, that young man grew up to become Fooey Fooey Moy Moy. Pretty good player. <laughs> Would have been nice to have him. Would it have been, wouldn't it? Yeah. So they fumbled with him. But obviously, that one's a little different because with the way Souths were run, you never know how a guy like him is going to develop. Parramatta at the time were a pretty well-run club and Souths were not. He develops into a really good prop forward at the Eels, goes on to have a great career, both there and then later on in the Super League, where I believe he still played this year at some lower league club. Yeah, I think he's playing like fourth division. I think he's playing with his two of his, like two of his nephews and one of his sons. 
for the love like, of the game. For the Fantastic. love of the game, baby. I love that. Um, but uh, so there's him. But then there's the other much more public, much sadder for me story at the time because I didn't know what Fui Fui Moe was going to grow up to be at the time. What I did know is that the footy show had done a 10-minute segment of Laurie Daly running around telling everybody on the Blues coaching staff that Chris Walker had come on the field. <laughs> because that was the that was the level of athleticism and the level of uh, you know ability that young Chris Walker carried with him. This was a guy that people might not think of it now because his career never really he had a good career, but he didn't really hit the heights that some people thought he was going to. But him signing for Souths was seismic Huge. for me. This is like he was an electrifying football. Like it's not it's not as big as the shit nights getting Ponga, but it's like the only when I was racking my brain for a suitable comparison, it was the only one that I could kind of make work because this was an insanely talented outside back from Queensland who'd come down to a basket case of a club in New South Wales to try and turn their fortunes around. And obviously yeah, it, was, it, it was a, it was a really big get mm. and like not just him, but Shane Walker, his brother yeah. was, and a then big, Ben comes later was a big get as well. Like Shane Walker had been a, a consistent player with the Broncos over the captain, the baby the Broncos in that famous win. Yep. Yep. And was, was one of those blokes where it's like, he's clearly good enough to be a first grader, but there's just not a place for him. At, at Brisbane because they've got like Langer playing halfback and I think they got Richard Swain into play who or something like that. Yep. So getting both of them was a real coup, but you know what? Like when I was again in the research, shout out to David Middleton's rugby league yearbooks an invaluable resource for rugby league perverts like us. Mm. And I was going through the 2001 edition and in late, oh, sorry, the 2002 edition and in late October of that year, both Walker brothers were already trying to find a way to get out of their contracts. It's not good, is it? Yeah, yeah. There's, and it's and just, it's just, Shane ends up just, staying for three seasons. It's just one line, but it says South South South, uh, South Sydney hold talks with the Walker brothers after they try and back out of their deals. Hmm. You know, so things weren't looking great. But what do you remember about the games that Chris Walker played for Souths? Because not many, but is there anything that you remember about him? Not really, to be honest with you, mate. Like, I remember he, I remember there was, I think he he only scored one try. I can't remember who it was against, but I, I remember, I remember it vividly. I remember him scoring a try and thinking, oh, here we go. This is liftoff. And then a couple of weeks later, he, he was gone forever. I can't, for some reason, for the life of me, remember who that try was against. I think it was, I think it was in that Brisbane game, actually. So it was against his former club, which, yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, like, just give it a few weeks and it'll come. It's hard to be a winger. Or a center on a bad rugby league team that doesn't get any good ball. So you gotta you gotta take that part with it. But you thought, you know, this is a project, this guy's young, he's really talented, he'll be here for a few years, we'll we'll gradually build the club around him, we'll get some more players in, and everything will be fine. But then yeah, he plays the first two games, he misses the next few, comes back for three games in late April, early May, and then that's it. He he requests a release. Uh, siding five, home five five games into five a three games, year deal. five games into a three siding homesickness and stuff and you know it, it, you go back to what you were just talking about with Shane Walker. There's a quote from Shane Walker where he said um, he said I went to South because Chris was going there. I heard how easy it was to get mixed up with the wrong crowd in Sydney. I thought there was a fair chance he could go off the rails, so I went down there to help him out. Oh, I wasted geez. I wasted my time, didn't I? Ten weeks later, he went to the Roosters. Bloody yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he 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 did he, he so did. You've you, you've spoken to me at length in our you know regular lives mm. about how much this hurt you. Can you run run us through why? Paint us a word picture. Well, again, when you're 12, 13 years old, and you you you, you rugby league is your life. Like you've got your mates and stuff, but like 
not like especially me who didn't have Souths for two years in in two thousand and two thousand one. Like this was really like I went to one game in nineteen ninety when I was like eight or nine years old with my grandpa. Like for the first year, I was properly, properly, properly into rugby league was 02. And it went as badly as it could have gone, as we briefly touched on. And then 03 was the year that, look, I didn't expect anything major, but it was the year where things were supposed to get better. And Chris Walker was a beacon of hope for that. Chris Walker was the first sort of domino that was supposed to fall in this big project to make Souths a competent and well-run rugby league club. And instead, the moment the going got remotely tough, he got going. And it really hurt me at the time. And it obviously hurt more than anything else. The fact that it was citing homesickness, but then signing for a club that plays in literally the same stadium five weeks later. It, it hurt me so much. And it hurt me in a way that I don't think I could be hurt by an athlete today because, you know, I'm a grown man with with relationships and and and, and friends and, and a professional life and a lot of more important stuff going on. And obviously I still love rugby league and I still love the Rabbits and it is still our life, but I don't think that you can be as emotionally deranged when it comes to stuff like this as you were when you were a kid. I hated Chris Walker. I yeah. wanted him to fail every time he went on. Bro, the he was your, he, he was your hero. Like all the South guys. Were the 03 grand final you know? is one of the best days of my life because he played like a <laughs> fucking busted and he got absolutely embarrassed by Penrith that day. Ryan Girdler will forever be my hero for making those roosters look like a bunch of punks. Him and Justin Hodges got made to look second rate and I loved every second of it. I've I've got a I've got a quote here from a notable rugby league figure who later went on to have a strong strong association with Souths, all right? And I want you to be ready for it. It's easy to find fault, but I have to give Chris a fairly big rap actually. The easy thing to do would have been to cop his good salary, go through the motions and not enjoy what he was doing and let the club and the fans down. Who said this? Wayne Bennett said this. Oh, Wayne, come on. <laughs> That's such a, like, oh, yeah, the easy thing to do would have been honor the contract and stick out the deal you signed. The hard thing to do it's is fairness. to leave, to go to the okay. defending premiers okay. halfway through the season. Here's the thing with, so Wayne said this quote after Walker had left South, but before he signed oh, okay. the Okay, okay, so- okay. All right. That's more understandable because that, that was the bit that hurt the most. At first it was like, well, he doesn't want to be here. Fair enough. Like I thought he was going to go back to to Brisbane or whatever, and that's okay. But instead, the fact that he signed for the Roosters really stung. It really, really. Well, hurt. he signs for the Roosters, and it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a Rooster special. Like his salary is reported as being forty thousand dollars a year, which I don't think is true. Mm. And then he has quotes a couple of days later where he says he'll play for free for the rest of the season, which nobody is going to do. Well, Souths are still paying me. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I want on the record, I was not one of the fans that sent him a death threat. He apparently uh, got yeah, sent death threats. So I want that on well, the record. Look, I did not. I can't say Poppy Bungard wasn't involved, but I, I can say that I wasn't. We've had a, we've had a, we've had a bit of fun with yeah. with this. But yeah, actually, sending him, yeah, it got really, it got nasty. really, really horrible. Like he, mm. he was getting death threats. That was um. Someone said, "Let's say they're going to shoot him." There was a game that um I might have been one of his last ones. Actually, it was against Manly and. Chris and Shane are both playing for Souths and Ben Walker's playing for Manly. Uh, Manly end up getting up and there were horrible rumors that were going around that the three of them had arranged to fix the game. I remember and, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the NRL investigated it and the department of um, uh, racing and gaming investigated it. And it was all found to just be an absolute bunch of lies. Ben Walker gave some really, really um, a really heartbreaking interview to the Daily Telegraph where he said how much it hurt him that someone thought he, not just he could do something like that, but that his family could do something like that, you know? So it got, it did like walk, like walk of going out on South, mm. not the most honorable thing in the world, but it really, really got very, very nasty, you know? 
Yeah, obviously, like, yeah, that stuff's beyond the pale. But I will say, never played Origin again after leaving South. So perhaps made the wrong decision for his career. Well, he never hit that. Never that really sort of, hit that. That sort of promise yeah. that we saw at Brisbane, that sort of never really came back. He had a couple of good years at the Roosters. But Mini then... resurgence at the Titans after that well, year at the Storm. Yeah, and, like, I think Shane Walker probably had the right of it. Sydney was not good for... Chris Walker at 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 that time. James Roberts know? before James Roberts. Somewhere. That's actually that's actually not a bad comparison at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was fast as shit and he uh, liked to drink. <laughs> so, uh, Man, yeah, I'm Chris... only I'm only one of those things, and it's not fast. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the sad stuff. Let's try and back to one of the happiest days, not just of this year, but of my life, <laughs> when oh, South yeah. Sydney defeated the Melbourne Storm. 41 to 14. So South had a great record against the Tigers in their early readmission years. Unbelievably, they also had a pretty good record against the Storm. I can't. Which they, again, they are still paying for. I can't understate how remarkable this win is in so many ways. Let's first of all talk about the context around it, which is the fact that, again, they won three games the entire season, two of which were against the West Tigers. So this is their first ever win against the Storm. It is till this day their biggest ever win against the Storm. They've also only beaten the Storm seven times in their entire history, and two of them came this year and in the corresponding fixture in 2004 when they also got the wooden spoon. So they won two games in two years against the Storm when they were at their absolute rock-bottom lowest. And then since then, in every year since, including for what has been a mostly not only competent, like a very above average period for the South Sydney Rugby League Football Club. They've only won five more in that entire time and they never put them to the sword like they did this day. So there was was a staggering result. I was at this game. Very few people were. You and Poppy Bungard were two of the 7,104 people at this game. If it like, how much is that? How much are they lying with that? Are are we talking, are we talking a 2,000, a 2,000 person? There was nobody there. So, Marcus Byer scores first, and you think it's going to be another one of those days, another day where we just show up, get smashed, and leave with 20 minutes to go. But instead, it's 14 all at half time. And can go either way. Can go either way. Have, and South's put on a 27 nil second half performance. Weiss Cadaverada scores a hat trick. Luke Stewart, who is still to this day, <laughs> your, your boy, top five favorite Rabbitohs of all time. Like him and Nathan Merritt are right, right up there. They both score in this game. But Luke Stewart, it, I still remember it clear as day. It was just to the left of the post. They got it wrong on the last tackle. He ended up with the ball. Luke Stewart, by the way, like his modern day comparison sounds would be like a Dave Tyrrell or a Mark Nichols, right? He was just, oh, he's, he was, you know what? I'll, I'll, he was a bit better than those two. But never missed a tackle, never dropped the ball. Yeah. Played City Origin late in his career, donned the yeah. mustard and blue. But uh, <laughs> a well earned. Wasn't there, a, wasn't there some weird stat where he was like the oldest ever debutant in like rep footy or something like he, that? He, he, he was, he, he was either oldest or most experienced okay. or some, something anyway, like that. So Luke Stewart, I loved Luke Stewart. He was my favorite rabbit along with Nathan Merritt in these early years. And he ends up with the ball somehow. He puts up a kick. It's not quite a bomb. It's not quite a chip. <laughs> he somehow recovers it himself and scores. What okay. is going on? Okay. Have you ever seen video of this? Yes. Can, 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 I, can I see it? It was. I, I didn't look for it before because I just remember it so vividly, but I remember yeah. it was on YouTube at one point. You used to be able to find some of these old games with like that Charles Christian guy doing the voiceover stuff from the yeah. big pond days, but a lot of them are just gone now. A lot of them are just gone completely. It is. Uh, I, I was, I was trying to find some, some 03 Southgear on YouTube just to, 
get sharp for this one. And you're right. There's not a lot of it, not a lot of it out there at all, mm. but this is mate, this is just when, when you, when your team is really, really bad, these games are like dreams and they yeah. keep you going for, for sometimes, sometimes, honestly, sometimes for years, you know, just the, just, and, and the unexpected nature of it, I think makes it all the more, all the more special. You know, yeah. what about, what about defensive mastermind, Paul Langmatt calling a shutout in the second half? Mate, they, yeah, they only, they only held like three teams to under 20 points this entire year. And this was one of them. And this and wasn't, this is, a, this is a storm. So this is, this is Craig Bellamy's first year, right? So it is a while it's ago. It's a really good team. But though. this is still a team with Billy Slater, Steve Bell, Matt Guy, Marcus Bayer, Scott Hill and Matt Orford in the halves, Cameron Smith at hooker, Stephen Carney and Dallas Johnson in the back row. David Kibble on the bench. Like it's, it's a, a really good team. Side. But mate. Not this day, it wasn't. Not th- not today. Not this time, baby. Yeah, it's crazy. So the following year in 04, they beat them again in Arthur Katinas's first game of judge. A good Mel- rugby league man, good rugby league. Melbourne are winning 16-0 in that game. <laughs> and Souths win. Like, what the fuck? Joe, man, is that Joey, Joey Williams' first grade debut? Yeah. No, it's one of his I think his debut definitely. was against the Sharks in a game that we lost. But he did play. He did play. One of my, one of my first, like, rugby league takes mm. that I remember is, so 2004... I was in year six and there was a mate of mine who went for Souths and we were talking, it was, it wasn't long after that game and Owen Craigie got dropped by Souths for what mm. turned out to be the last time. And he didn't play. I don't think he ever played. I still believe he can lose the weight. And we were like, what are they doing? Don't they understand that Williams and Craigie is the halves combination of the future? Who the fuck's this John Sutton guy anyway? I don't rate him. <laughs> um, yeah, I was right. So he's, he debuted against the Sharks in a game that they lost. Michael Sullivan danced all over us that day, I remember very clearly. And then Mike, the follow- Mike Sullivan had a yeah. fucking year in 04, dude. He did. And then the, follow- the next week that they won. So yeah, but back, back to 03. So they win that game. They go into the bye full of confidence. And I remember- That's oh, a four-point rem- win. That's a four-point yeah. win. So, dude, I don't, I don't know if you remember this. The footy show did a segment the next week. They crossed live to South Leagues without having a party for their winning streak because they counted the bye as win number two. Oh, I that's, swear to God. That's top That's top tier footy show gear. That's yeah. like, that was back when the footy show, that was a king, that was a kingmaker. Mm. You know what I mean? If you can hang, if you can hang with the fat on a Thursday night, you can do anything. Yeah. So they have, they, they lose the following week to the Dragons, whatever. And then the week after that, they have another absolute heartbreaker. I, I don't know if you remember this game at all. Cause again, why would you, I, I, th- you know what? I've seen enough parts of it on, yeah. on YouTube and all that, that I kind of remember some of it. So Souths are winning 24 to six against the Warriors with about 20 minutes to go. They concede 24 unanswered points to go down 30 to 24. Paul Stringer, he's back, scores a try with a minute to go to make it 30 all. They go to golden point and Stacey Jones kicks to this day possibly the best field goal I've ever seen. He hits it from 40 meters out and it's still going up when it goes over the crossbar. It's, it's, it's pretty serious. I hope there's, I haven't looked again. I didn't look for footage because I remember it so clearly, but like, I hope oh, no, this, this, out this, there. this one's, this one's out there. He kicks Good. the shit out of it. It's, it's the first ever golden point field goal. Is it really? There you it go. really is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you got to remember as well, the Warriors at this time were fucking red hot. Like they made the grand final. Oh, two. Oh, three. They're about as good again. And they're just, uh, freewheeling, point scoring, running and gunning, hmm. just an electrifying football team, you mm-hmm. know? And that's part of the reason they were able to sort of run the rabbitos down in the fashion that they could. But like, there's also things like, so every now and then there's a clip of AF to Pagliacina. I was just about to say. It goes around Facebook and it's him storming back off the kickoff 
busting through six blokes and offloading to Clinton Torpy to score. And every time it happens, like Pup or a bunch of fellas who are around his age tag me in the video saying, who the fuck's this guy? And I'm like, that's AF to Paliasina, baby. Uh, if, you're, if, you, do it. if you're listening to this show, if you follow us on Twitter, I've just retweeted that Paliasina kickoff return from the podcast account. So you can go and watch it. It is ridiculous. But yeah, so this this after that Storm game, this might be the best game that Souths had played, not just this mm. season, but in sort of that really horrible period they had where they were so bad. And like you look at the team, and it's just like, how did they even make it that close? Like we've got we've got Shane Rigon and a very young David Farlongo in the centers. You know, we've got Owen Craigie, captain and five eight. We've got Shane Walker at halfback. You know, like there's just, there's not Jason Deeth was not a guy we mentioned yet. He was a player. Jason Deeth was a good footballer. Mm. Yeah. Why? Why didn't? Why was it always Deeth? Why didn't he rebrand as Jason Death? I think because he's Kiwi, and that's how they pronounce it. Jason Deeth. Deeth. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's a good question. Jason Deeth's a funny one. He was really good in O two. Like he got nominated for Hooker of the Year at the Footy Show Awards, or the, uh, or maybe it was the Dalliums, or maybe it was. Both. Did he really? Know. Yeah. I uh, didn't win, obviously, but I think he was the guy that once had to get the train to a game when he played for the Warriors in his gear because he missed the team bus or something. Oh, but, that's awesome. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's not from New Zealand, dude. He's from Canberra. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's weird. He, I was don't Steve, know. he was Steve. He was Steve Walters' backup. Or well, maybe he Canberra. was Jason Death until he went to the Warriors, and then they were like, <laughs> he he's Death new. How many first grade games do you think he played? Oh, more than you'd think. It's like 150, right? 201. That is so many. Bro, he was in the league for 13 years. That is he, shocking. That's crazy, eh? Did he, he was, does he, did he win the comp with Canberra? He was there when they won in 94, but I don't think I don't think he got on the field. I'll give it to him. Yeah, like he was part of the squad, though. He was Steve Walters' backup for years. I just pulled up. Played in the prelim, but not the grand final. Well, that, that was back in the days where you had like 10 blokes on the bench, but you could only play... Oh, okay. So someone must have got hurt or something. And he something came like on. that. Yeah. But so he's Steve Walters back up. He followed Tim Sheens up to the Cowboys, which probably wasn't a great career decision because the Cowboys were so bad. Then went to the Warriors, had a couple of good years there, but had the misfortune to leave in 01. So the year mm. before they become awesome and then had three good years at Souths, but Souths were so bad it almost, yeah. it almost didn't. I will, by the way, I'll know. give you five Australian dollars. If you can tell me what number Jason Deeth wore in that prelim final. Uh, I'll go with number 40. You're actually very close. It's 44. <laughs> wow. Really? It's the, like, um, the bench a... is 41, 42, 43, and 44. That's good stuff. Is yeah, this because a... all the reserve graders would have had 18 through, uh, 34 or something? I am not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I, I imagine it would be something like that though. Okay. Yeah, Jason, Jason D 44 games for Souths, zero tries. Love that. How many wins? Like eight? <laughs> <laughs> not many. Not many, if any, but uh, yeah, J- Jason Deeth would have been a great candidate for what about this bloke at some stage. Yeah. If you ever get to do it, then I would like you to nominate Jason Deeth. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I'll try. I feel nine, like we... nine wins for South. Oh, good. I was close. There you go. He's killing it. Well, I mean, we only won uh, 13 games in those three years. So that means he missed, that means he missed four of them. Jeez. Poor Jason. But uh, anyway, they win one more game this year and it's very funny. It's very funny how it happens as well. Well, so, you got it. You got it. To, uh, after yeah. after this, after that Warriors game, that's oh. when things oh they go totally off the rails. Fall apart. Like it's just a it's a car crash every week. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a twenty eight point loss in the Chris Walker revenge game against the Roosters. Which, by the way, I believe we we scored. First, I think Luke McDougall scored first in. I believe we were winning six nil. So, you know, there was there was a chance there. So yeah, got absolutely pumped. Craig Wing scored a double in that game, which really hurt me. And Chris Walker scored. 
So couldn't have really couldn't have gone worse, really, when <laughs> when you think about it. Um, and then yeah, they 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 narrowly lose to Penrith, and Penrith ended up winning the comps. That's a good loss in hindsight. And then big losses to Penrith, a uh, big loss to Parramatta, big loss to Melbourne. Sixty put on them by the Dogs in that return fixture, and then they play the Tigers at Leichhardt, and they're down sixteen nil. Again, they're down sixteen nil uh, at halftime. And uh, Russell Richardson, who we haven't talked about at all because he was a guy that played for Australia in the late 90s, a guy that was, you know, mercurial with the Sharks, you'd say. Like, had some really good times when he was on the field. Like, it was a guy that did struggle with injuries a little bit, did struggle with being consistent. But when he was on, he was well and truly on. And he's a guy they signed in 02, but he didn't feature that much in 02 and 03. He played about 20 games across those two seasons that had one year with the Knights and called it quits. But he played in this game. And he scores two ripping solo tries. They actually end up being his only two tries in the entire season. And so Souths are down 16-12 late doors against the Tigers team at Leichhardt. Uh, they're close to the line. I haven't looked this up, by the way. I just remember it. They're close to the line to the left-hand side of the posts. And Brian Fletcher goes himself from dummy half. Carries about eight Tigers players over the line and somehow gets the ball. Carried back. half the Leichhardt hill over the line. Exactly. He sure did. They were, they were sta- Piss Mountain was stunned. And um, so it's 16 all, kick to come. And who steps up? Not Owen Craigie, who kicked the first two conversions. And I believe that's because Justin Smith wasn't on the field. Owen Craigie Craigie named on the wing in this one. (laughs) Terrific. But um, Justin Smith was on the field for this last try. And he takes the shot from the sideline. And it's accuracy-wise, it's perfect. It's straight over the black dot. But power-wise... It's one of those ones that only just gets there. It almost actually hits the crossbar as it just drops it's, over. It's, it's sputtering like an air conditioner in the Louisiana summer. But it's enough. It's enough for an 18-16 when Souths come from 16-0 down at halftime to stun the West Tigers. And again, we're still paying for it now, but at the time, incredible stuff. Uh, they don't really make teams like this anymore. And I'm not mm. just talking about Souths. I'm talking about the Tigers as well. This Tigers team had Daniel Fitzhenry and Lincoln Withers in the halves. Litsy Fitzy, shout out. Yeah, like it's it, they've got Marco Halloran and Nick Bradley Galalawa. That's a guy out wide. Like as it's too. Either one of these teams would have been worthy wooden spooners. You know, this was a spoon bowl before we'd come to really understand the term. But Russell Richardson, I have no idea why. I always, always really liked him. It's Maybe a- it's because he's got a name like a Marvel, like a Marvel hero or something. You know. Mm. Mild-mannered Russell Richardson t- transport t- transforms into a superhero in the right circumstances, but um, but um, yeah, th- this game Nick is actually kind of important in the, in the context of rugby league because a week after this, the West Tigers in their lowest ebb, they throw the keys to a young man by the name of Benji Marshall for his first NRL. Is that start. the next week? Yeah. No way. That's so So he cool. plays he plays like 10 minutes off the bench in that Knights game a couple of weeks prior, but then he starts at halfback against the Broncos the following week. Oh wow, that's so cool. Yeah. So without this, maybe Benji Marshall's career is completely different. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe we're sitting here thinking, you know that Lincoln Withers, he was underrated. Yeah, exactly. He was he was, he was underrated. So. Mate, he used to catch kickoffs and take the hit up himself. That's grit, baby. Just a loon, just a, like had no idea that he was five foot seven. No. Just refused to believe it. Strong as an ox, they said. Um, but yeah, so that was that was the that was the last win of this season. South end the year with a uh, with with another loss to the Roosters because 
yeah, this so they they had two revenge games in the space of three weeks. I don't really I don't really understand the scheduling. They played them twice in quick succession, lost them both. I actually think Luke McDougall might have scored first in this game as well. And South for winning at halftime. They go on to lose this one also. Um, and then go up to town go up to Townsville, get 60 put on them by the Cowboys. I remember Mark Meredith scored a try on this game. I don't remember anything else about it. Shout and, out to the Merediths, great yeah. rugby league family. And then they in the last round of the season. They play a 54-34 loss to the Sharks. At that point, Langmack is just like, you know what? This defensive coordination stuff, it's not, not for, for me. me. I'm calling some plays. Yeah. Joel Kane's brother, Jess I'm Kane, go- gets a double. I'm going, like- I'm going, I'm going empty backfields. I'm going. And this I'm, is. I'm doing the run and shoot. The, I'm very, I'm still, see, you know, we started playing NRL grid in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I am still absolutely fucking filthy that the other day a box was scored a hat trick, played for the Dragons. And I picked Sam Eismonger, and it wasn't a unicorn. You've got who to the ex- fuck for else the people for the people who don't know what NRL grid is. You've got to explain it. You've got to explain what the thing is Sorry. and then why you're upset. Yeah, so it's it's it, you might have seen them for every other sport. It's a it's a three by three like tic tac toe grid with uh, categories in the x axis and categories in the y axis. You've got to pick a player in the corresponding box for each of the two clues. So in this case. It was the across clue was scored a hat trick and the down clue was played for the dragons. It doesn't have to be a hat trick for the dragons, but Sam Eisenmonger played for the dragons, scored a hat trick in this game. Like, and yeah, South lost 54 to 34. And I was filthy that I didn't get the top obscurity score for this. I don't know how someone else remembered this besides me, but oh well. What are you going to do? This, this, this game really illustrates, like, for all of Paul Langmack's defensive coordination abilities. Defense was just a horrible, horrible problem for Souths all year. Like, here's some of the score. Here's some of the points totals that they have in games they lost. So they score 34 in this one, they lose. They score 30 against the Warriors, they lose. They score 28 against the Knights earlier in the season, they lose. And then in the first three games of the season, they score 26, 20, and 20, and they lose all three of those games. Mm. So they yeah. could, like, they, they could 20, do a 24 against Penrith, who win the comp as well. They could do a couple of things. With the ball, they weren't absolutely hopeless in that regard. But like when the other teams got the ball, it's just touch footy. Oh, speaking of forward scoring hat tricks against South, you know who else scored a hat trick against South this year? Uh, Michael Crocker, Joe Nullivar. Oh wow, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. That's one for the NRL grid. All right. Remember there. that next time NRL grid fans, Joe Nullivar scored a hat trick in the NRL. So before we move on to what happened to South after 03, there's one more little anecdote that I dug out, and I don't even think I don't even know if you'll know this one. So Souths signed Terry Hill midway through the season to come oh, play God. in 2004. Yes. And Terry Hill, who'd started his career at Souths many, many years ago. He's a, I think, is he a mascot junior or something like that? So Terry's coming home, right? Terry Hill, still a really big star. Played Origin a year or two before. Still, still a very, very effective player. Coming home to finish up. Great stuff. Great good news story. A couple of days after Terry Hill signs with Souths, he gets done for drink driving. Hmm. And Souths at the time had a big sponsorship with Arrival Live. I remember. Yes. So it was very, very, it was a bit of a PR disaster. In 2002, I won a series of Arrival Live trading cards of every South player. Do you still have them? Uh, yeah. Nice. I'll, I'll find them for just, you. They're just appreciating in value. Yeah. Anyway, so Terry Hill looks like he's going to get sacked, but Souths managed to talk their way out of it because they say he hasn't actually signed the contract yet. So he's not a South Sydney player. Terry Hill goes on to suffer a knee injury in the 2004 preseason. Never plays for Souths at all. Fantastic stuff. And that then goes back of, and plays for Manly the following year. That's right. And that whole story kind of sums up where Souths were at. I'll give you $5 if you time. can tell me who Terry Hill played for in 2006, by the way. Oh, yeah. he. I, I look because I saw this the other day. Um, 
It's not a rugby played, league team. He played, yeah, he played rugby for someone. It wasn't like it wasn't the it wasn't Manly Marlins or anything. No, it's one of those hilariously players. named like fake teams. Yeah, what is it? The Central Coast Waves. <laughs> right on, baby. Shocker, bro. Yeah. So yeah, South End the season. Stone Motherless last. Uh three wins. Twenty one losses. Um is but that, I had is, fun. Is 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 that bad? Look, it's not good, right? But I'll say this. Like it was a lot simpler back then. You just you were excited to watch your team play every week. And when you did win, it was incredible because it never happened. And you laughed off the bad times. And I I, I guess especially now that we've I've with sounds have given me so much joy and so much success over the last ten to fifteen years. But you can definitely look back on this period with almost a bit of fondness because like as shit as they were, it is fun to think back and laugh about like thinking that Brad well, Watts was going to play for Australia or that Ashley yeah, Harrison was going to captain you, the, the club for is, 10 years. The great thing that the club has given you is that they were able to fix themselves up and they were mm. able to have that success. Cause when you have had that success, when you have seen the winner premiership and you've seen all your dreams come true, then it makes it funny to yeah. look back and say, God, what were we thinking? Well, it's like if they but, were still that bad today, yeah. One, you would probably be in a mental institution of some, of some kind. And two, it wouldn't be fun. It would just be an endless parade of misery. But because you have had the success, you can sort of say, damn, bro, Jamie Russo. Could have been anything. Yeah, you can say that. So uh, an unsung hero, real quickly. Who? Uh, I, I was tossing up who to pick. Like You can't call Nathan Merritt an unsung hero. He's too sung at this point. Like, well, he th- this was like I think he was their top try scorer this year. I think well, this yeah. was his first like proper year in 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 first grade where he, mm. where he looked where he looked all right. Yeah, he I, fucked, I, he fucked he fucked off to Cronulla the next. Well, season. I I think if it was 06, he'd be the unsung hero, top scorer yeah. in a wooden spoon team. Well, that's pretty that's pretty sung though. Yeah, it is. But um, and yeah, we talked a little bit about we talked a little bit about Luke Stewart. We talked a little bit about Jason Deeth. But I'm gonna have to give it to Justin Smith. I'm going to have to say Justin Smith is the unsung hero of this team because not only do we get that, like he, they have one close win in the entire year and he kicks the winning goal to win them that game. And then there's, he was always up for a fight. He fought Brad Fittler in a, a South Roosters game. Yeah, that's right. It was, Freddy's, it was Freddie's 300 yeah, game. He belted yeah. him. It was great. But um, I mean, obviously that it's, that was my um, desktop background on my computer for like a year. It was just Justin Smith <laughs> punching Brad Fittler in the face. But, um, and then, you know, this is a guy that they, they he was you know reasonably good for the Dragons in 02, and I was very excited to get him in 03. Has has a couple of years. Goes to the Cowboys, has some really good seasons out there, plays in a grand final. I was really happy for him. A guy starts I love watching starts play. At, starts at 5'8 in a grand final. Brett Thurman on the bench. They knew what they were doing. And <laughs> he actually scored nine tries for South 2003 as well. Nine. That's as a, a pretty fair effort. He's, he's yeah. quite good. Obviously, their top points go with the goal kicking, and you got to love a goal kicking back rower. You got to oh, love always it. do. And he just, My... like, he was the first guy that, like, just had some edge to him. Didn't take a backward step. Didn't get pushed around. Would always stand up for himself. Was, like, the, the, the almost the sort of forward leader of this team. And you needed guys like that, especially when a team was in their infancy and still finding their feet after readmission. So, Justin Smith, I salute you. What's funny is, is when you're looking at this team is the amount of guys who only had, like, a game or two but went on to mm. become very well-known for various reasons. Like, um, you know, this was Mark Minicello's. First big year in in first grade, like mainly could hit a hole, couldn't and, catch a ball. That's right. Um, that wise cat of Arata, who we've spoken about before, he's he's up coaching Fiji now. I think it is mm-hmm. Luke McDougal, who looked like he was going to be mate. I still absolutely believe. I sick, still believe, but just his body ended up falling apart. A very young Ryan Tandy got a couple of games off the bench for him. Yep, he sure did. But my unsung hero, I think, is going to be Shane Walker. Yep, 
stayed after his brother left. That's right, and be gave you you don't, you don't really hear about um, oh yeah he gave the club great service mm. you know but he did he great service for a couple of years there but he did he did and he was a hard working dummy half for Souths in some very very tough times and he that quote before that you're talking about where he only came down to sort of keep an eye on Chris and then Chris buggered off but Shane Walker stayed and played some good good footy for him and I think captained them a couple of times as well just a under un, underrated player Shane Walker and um so Souths didn't beat the Roosters for a decade between 1995 and 2005 and Shane and Ben Walker both played in that win in 05 and Ben Walker kicked the winning field goal. So I always have a lot of time for two out of three walkers. <laughs> well, yeah. and now, now we're kind of at the, at the end of the story mm. and someone who I don't think we've said his name on this show yet, but Russell Crowe. So it's kind of like it was sort of in those. So Crow, Russell was already around Souths a little bit before they got kicked out, before they got kicked out. Like I remember he took Tom, Tom Cruise to a Rabbitohs game in 99 and all of that. But it's kind of like in the post readmission years where he really starts to become a dominant figure in the club, like him and um, uh, a very old official rang the official rang the timekeepers bell as they run out for their first game. And there's a lot of like newspaper stories from around this time of like, um, you know, Russell Crowe did this for South. Russell Crowe did that for South. He's bringing this guy to the game. He's doing this. Brian Fletcher tells a great story about how... Albert Clift, I think. Albert Cliff, that was his name. He lived to 101, by the way. Good for him. Yeah. Brian Fletcher tells a great story about how in a preseason camp in 2003, Russell Crowe said, if you guys make the finals, I'll take you all on a trip to Vegas. Like, he's slowly, slowly becoming a more and more dominant figure at the club. Plays a very big role in them signing... Adam McDougal um, for 2004, which was a massive recruit, like a massive sign. That season end, 04 ends, 04 ends a lot differently if Adam McDougal doesn't do his ACL in round five against the Storm, by the way. Yeah. A lot yeah. differently. He was their best player by a mile. By miles. And then it's around 2005 when, when the, the rumblings start that mm-hmm. Russell Crowe wants to, wants to buy the club. And then it's in 06 where him and Holmes are caught. Where, where yeah. they have the vote. And it's a very, it's a very bitter process because George Piggins sort of hangs on for as long as he can. Yeah. But Crow and Holmes Court managed to convince the members. They vote to approve the sale. Piggins leaves the club. He doesn't, yeah. I don't think he attends a game until, until the 2014. The grand final, which I'm grand so final. still so happy he was at, man. I'm so happy he was there. But then once Crow and Holmes Court take over, that's when things finally start to change. And I there's, mean, there's still, there's still some horrible times like 06. I think 06 is nearly as bad well, as 03. 06. They haven't taken over the club yet. They, they, they win the right, they win the club like halfway through 06. So like yeah. they don't, they're not in control of the team really until 07 where they get Jason Taylor in, they get the Armani suits and they make the finals with Royce Darcy. So yeah. Oh yeah. 06 was a shocker, man. Three wins uh, as yeah. well. I remember in 06, there was like McDougal, Adam McDougal was out saying that Russell Crowe was down at training, giving him tips how to play and all that. So he got like a little bit too involved but um <laughs> sometimes i wonder sometimes i wonder where souths would be if that sale never happens i don't know if they exist i really don't i really don't know if they still exist now they were that badly run they were that much of a joke and I'll, to give people an example so they come back into the club comp in 02 we talked we just spent an hour talking about 03 but so between 02 and 06 they finish well they would have finished last if not for the bulldogs getting all their points deducted. so let's just say last they go last 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 13th last and then Russell Crowe and Peter Holmes are caught by the club. They have they make the finals in 07. They have a bad year in 08. That's where everything goes off a cliff a little bit. But then from that point on, they, they missed the finals by one game in like two or three years in a row. That was, there was that little period where they just like lost the lost like a playing game in they're ne- consecutive they're, years. They're never they're never like they're never a joke ever again. They're never and then it's again. and then Madge comes in and it's 
four straight years of prelims and a grand, sorry, three prelims, grand final, make the finals the following year. Two bad years as the sort of Madge era peters out. And then, you know, a, a sustained period of success since then up until this year where, you know, everything went wrong, but whatever. Still, if 12th and 12 and finishing ninth in a historic collapse that we've never seen before and probably will never again is as bad as it gets, then sign me up. What's fascinating to me about Souths now is now Souths are universally regarded as a as a big club, right? As a big club, a power broker, you know, got a lot of money, you know, got a lot of influence, all that sort of thing. And it's not that long ago. It's, it's in our living memory mm. that they were so low, the foot of man could not crush them. Like on I, TV. I, yeah. Yeah. And for, yeah. And it's not just these admission years, like for the, I would say for probably 20 years before that, there were a couple of, you know, one-off season exceptions, but, for the most part, they were nowhere. No one came to their games. No one signed with them. They never produced any good players. If they did, they got, you know, sucked up by other clubs really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. They really were like, I'm, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do to kick them out, but you could see why why people would think this club didn't have a future. The only thing I'll say you know? is that in 99 was actually the first year they kind of had their shit together. In a yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They fall off a cliff in the last few weeks that season after Tricky Trindle gets that weird suspension for like a thousand weeks. Which Did you know that there's a video on South's YouTube channel talking about how Daryl Trindle was unjustly suspended? Well, he was. Uh, it was. It was <laughs> like, honestly, like that was like, People still believe that they did that on purpose to try and tank our season so they could justify kicking us out. Which do you, know, you believe it? Yes, of course I do. Uh, I believe everything. That, I believe that the entire system is rigged against Souths at all times. You know that. But um, yeah, 03, like on the field is as bad as it gets, but part of me still looks back on it really fondly. And you know, Of course you do. Of course you do. You get those brief moments of joy interspersed with like flogging after flogging. And also it gives you perspective when... You know, you have a year like we had this year, or you have a year like you lose a prelim or whatever, and you think, well, you know, this, we still were better than most of the teams. We still won most of our games. You can't, you can't understand how good winning feels until you've lost a few times. That's something yeah. I really, really believe in. Yeah, exactly you know? right. <sighs> Did you know that Souths in Souths in nineteen ninety seven? had a lower average home crowd than they did in 2020, the year none of us could go to the footy. <laughs> How good's that? Shout out Ken Sean, the coach. <laughs> a good rugby no, league man. That's a man. good rugby league man. Mate, they had some rugby league men as their coaches in the night. They, they had Piggins himself. Maybe the quintessential Piggins, rugby league man. Piggins, Piggins took him from a from the minor they, in 1989. They made the prelim final. They were minor premiers. They 18, were 18 three and one. <laughs> And then the next year, two and twenty, two and twenty. How like, do you do that? And then Piggins is out. Frank Frank Curry Jr. comes yep. in as, as as coach. Then then Ken Shine. Then hey, Craig Ken Shine in a like, job share with Bob McCarthy for half a season. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was. I think that was a weird set where Bob McCarthy was the first one to coach against his son or something because Darren McCarthy was playing for the Bulldogs or something. I vaguely oh, remember this stuff. But, yeah. Oh, it came up. It came up a couple of years ago when maybe it was Flanagan or someone. I can't remember, but yeah, maybe it was when Carl Flanagan played against the Sharks or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, regardless, that was the O3 Rabbitohs. We did it. We made it. Oh, what a good time! What a, what a team! And if you if you have a season now that you know how this works, now that you've heard how do we do this, if you've got a club and a season you want us to do, do not pick the O5 Tigers. We're not doing that. But <laughs> uh, if you've got yeah, one, it's it's a bit like greatest games where yeah, you, you can't pick a grand final for greatest games. You can't pick a team that won the premiership. Yeah. For for uh, what are we calling this again? Boom rewind. Boom rewind. Yeah, yeah. we we did have it. I think uh uh one of our patrons, Josh, sent us um 
a suggestion that we did the 2010 Tigers, which a bit more palatable to me because that was a big what-if season for them, I think. They arguably should have won the comp that year. That was a great prelim that year against the Drag. But, uh... they, they maybe shouldn't have won the comp, but if they play the Dragons in the grand final, maybe maybe everything just goes right for them. Maybe. No? If they play that Dragons team nine times, they probably... Win Ten times, they probably lose nine of them, but there's yeah. that one that they could have won. Yeah. That could have been the grand final, you know, but Absolutely. prelim, pff, nah, not, not happening. Not a chance. All right. And before we get out of here, quick chat to people on the on our Patreon service. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. You can nominate one of these. You get access to our Discord server, an extra podcast every week, entry next year's culture and cut, merch discounts, and plenty more. So thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi Stew, Wayne of the Old Coot, Alex Ojikomi. Oh, $20. I wanted a peanut. Big Patreon name change guy, Bobby Witt Jr. Jr., Broncos legend, Adam Reynolds, Bruce the Pond, Butsy, Can Cantempo, Cantankerously Candem, the Kangaroos, Candid Capitulation, contrasting the Kiwis, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullen, and Doc Hogg, and Anonymous Backer, Ed Burton. Hi, I'm Mitt Bertrand, and I have redacted. I also went to school with Bungard. I was saying boo I, Matt Bungard, could not be happy for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I've got a blank space in my fantasy team, and I'll write your name. Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outside the Cop, Lock and Haircut, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Midmore, Mads, Taylor's version, Matthew Duggan, Michael, the climax of a supreme game of rugby league, Al Masri, trailing by Wanda, win it. He's got it away. It has got there. Murray, Morgan Watkins, my name is Nick and rugby union is my favorite type of rugby. My ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy. Reese Brown, Rodrigo, La Flama, Blanco, Eduardo, Roxanne Clark, C in Vegas, Shanta Ty, the black vegetable, the combat vehicle. The outro music is a vibe on 1.75 times speed. These white slippers are a binary African Dendroto. Thor, Tom Hardy was. We are now offering shouts to everyone in the lower tiers and everyone who just listens. All the listeners, please send five of your Australian dollars to at the Matt Bungard on Twitter.com. We sail the ocean blue and I saw sea ships of beauty. We're sober men and true. And attentive to our duty and Westlife's podcast and the Pasco fiasco. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in lower tiers and everyone decisions. Thank you as well. Um, I got to be honest, I kind of zoned out for a second there. And when I came back, I thought you just started singing the song from HMS Pinafore. Uh, you know what's funny? Never seen it. Only know that from The Simpsons. I never want to see it because yeah. I know that they won't be able to sing it as well as, as Bob. To Unless Kelsey Grammer performs HMS Pinafore. Did you, see, did you see that on the... I only saw... I didn't watch the episode. I only saw a clip of it, but you see in the most recent Treehouse of Horror, they had like an alternate future thing mm. where in that moment, Bob kills Bart. Oh. And then Lisa becomes in the future, becomes like a true crime oh. podcaster. Apparently a couple of the recent, like obviously as a whole, it's still shit, but apparently a couple of the recent Treehouse of Horror ones are quite I good. I will not engage. Okay. I'm sorry. I will not I'm, engage. I'm sorry. All right. I, I, well, let's get out of here. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I got to go home and think about Lee Hookie. Shout out to Jess Kane. (laughs) All right, say goodbye, Campo. (laughs) Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me.